Acts chapter 20. This is, this is weird. We've, we haven't been in Acts for, for about a month or so. Just, in, just so you know, uh, this, is, this is how we've chosen to go through the book of Acts this time around. Um, as we're going through the book of Acts, when we come across one of the, in Paul's missionary journeys, you know, whether it's the first one or the second one, we're still in the, the kind of, we, we transition from the second to the third, but when he addressed, like, we went to Thessalonica, so what we decided to do was push pause in Acts and actually go through First Thessalonians, and then technically at the start of the new year, um, which can't come quick enough, I'm, I'm sure. But um, at the start of the new year, we're going to go through Second Thessalonians because we, we just want to kind of keep it fresh in our brains as Paul is going to these, these spe- specific cities um, and he's writing them letters. We want to keep it fresh, you know, like, okay, we just went through that in Acts. Let's see what personal letter he wrote to these guys. So we just finished Thessalonica or Thessalonians, which he was in Thessalonica. Um, we... Context-wise, Acts chapter 19 is all about Ephesus, right? So you're like, so when are we going to go through Ephesians? Not yet, okay? Because that's, that's one that we're going to definitely walk through. I mean, we're gonna, that, that one's going to take us a while. But um, we, we will finish up 2 Thessalonians starting in January. Context-wise, though, we're in Acts chapter 20. And so Paul just comes out of Ephesus. And in case you don't know, there was this huge riot in Ephesus when they showed up. And, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're just spreading the gospel and, this, this kind of, you know, you got a bunch of, uh, I don't know, bums is a good word, I think. Um, they just kind of hang around in the marketplace, and they don't do anything. They don't work, so they got a lot of idle time on their hands, and they're used to stir up this riot, okay? Um, sound familiar? Of course it does. Um, so against what the Lord is doing, and eventually this whole riot takes place, you know, across the city of Ephesus, and um, people are shouting out, great is Diana. Diana was the uh, goddess that they worshipped, or Artemis, um, the goddess of fertility, for two hours straight. Great is Diana, great is Diana, great is Diana of the Ephesians. You know, all this like craziness. And then they finally squash that, okay? So Paul is leaving Ephesus, and that's where we find ourselves in chapter 20. I just want to make sure you kind of know, um, just, just context-wise, because it has been about a month or so. But let's look at verse 1 of chapter 20. When the uproar was over, this is New Living Translation. Um, so see, there you go. I explained the context so you understand the first verse. When the uproar, that's that riot. When it was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Okay, there within that, that uh, in Ephesus area. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return through, uh, through Macedonia. Several men traveling with him, uh, th- uh, there were several men traveling with him. There was um, Sopater, this is going to be fun, uh, is me trying to pronounce these names. Um, Sopater, the son of uh, Pyrrhus uh, from Berea, uh, Aristarchus from Sig- and Segundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychicus and Trophy. Trophimus, there you go, uh, from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. There, after Passover ended, we boarded the ship at Philippi in Macedonia, and five days later joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. Okay, so here's just kind of what's going on. We read through that pretty fast. But basically, Paul is, the, they're kind of bringing the mission to a close. 
all right? This is like a third missionary journey, and he's out there in, in the Mediterranean, and, and they're just cruising back. They're, they're heading south, okay, along the coast is what they're doing. And Paul is getting his team, sorry, he's getting his team back together, so to speak, so they can kind of travel back. His goal ultimately is to get to Jerusalem, right? That's his goal. Now, we're going to encounter a little, bit of, a little bit of a hiccup within that plan um, towards the end uh, that I think would be somewhat relatable to us, discerning like, what is God's will for my life, and what if I don't obey God's will for my life, and what is the difference between God's will and his permissible will? Like, does he allow us to do stuff even though it's not really what he planned, wants us to do? Yeah, yeah, he does. Does it always work out well? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But God is, he, he's so gracious, and, and, and even in the Apostle Paul's life, see, sometimes we like to put him on a pedestal as like this infallible man. He's not, he's a sinner, just like you, just like me. He's a sinner. He made mistakes, tons of them, tons of them. Did he always follow God's will to, to the T? No, no, he didn't. He didn't. But by the end of this, I think we'll get to see that. You know what? Even for us along our journey and as you're following the Lord, that there's still grace. There's still grace. And it doesn't mean that even though you may not be doing exactly what God wants you to do, there's still grace for your life. And there's always time to readjust, you know, redirect the ship. But just throwing this out there, they're headed to Jerusalem. And I don't know if it was ever God's intent for Paul to go to Jerusalem, honestly. So we're, we're going to see that. But th that's just kind of the backdrop here. That's the scenario. He's getting his guys together. They're going to head, start heading south, and they're saying their farewell. This is the farewell, farewell tour of the Apostle Paul, right? This is, you're no longer going to see him in concert. This is it, okay? Uh, so he's saying his goodbyes. All right. So with that, we're, gonna move into, we're just going to move into the heart of this. A lot of this is travel stuff. Like it's a little, you know, journal updates kind of. You know, on this day, we did this, and we saw these people. But there's some fascinating little stories here and there throughout this journey. Let's, here's, a, here's one classic example that Paul just pulled out uh, probably in the, you know, out of several stories. But verse 7, it says this. On their way down, their way south, the first day of the week, that's Sunday, we gathered with local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. This is a, um, one of those proof texts kind of things that where we get for like meeting and having church on Sundays, right? Because there's that thing of like, well, shouldn't we be having church on Saturdays because it's the Sabbath and that's what you should do. And, and if you don't do that, you're not right. Well, the early church met on Sundays. And so does that mean all the people who meet on Saturdays are wrong? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of just glad they're meeting, honestly. I mean, you pick a day, I'm like, what does it matter, honestly? We see, we, we take these issues and we turn them into these issues. And it's like, no, just, are you meeting? Well, should we meet in a big building? Should we meet in houses? Who cares? Are you meeting? Are you opening up the word? Are you making it about Jesus? Because that's what's key. That's what's key. These guys decided, first day of the week, we're getting together. That's when we're doing church. That was the first church. That's how they did things. Okay. So Paul made it a point while on his way back, he's like, I'm going to stick around for church. That's another good, a good thing. Now, this is hard for me to say because I'm the pastor, right? Paul didn't miss church. Even on his trip back to Jerusalem, he made a point to stay a little bit longer so he could be at church. I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you apply that however you need to. All I'm saying is this, brothers and sisters gathering together is essential. 
it's needed. It's needed. Um, and, and again, whatever format or function, whether it's a, a, a large congregation on a Sunday morning or it's a, it's a home fellowship, brothers and sisters getting together is absolutely essential. We need each other. We need each other. So even Paul, is, he's heading back to Jerusalem. He's on a mission. He's like, I'm going to stick around for church. I'm just going to stick around for church, okay? There have been many times on my vacations where I did not go. I was like, you know... I, yeah, I could go to church, but I'm going to pass. Like, we've done that. And you're like, oh, how dare you? Well, I mean, yeah, that's just how it goes sometimes. I mean, like, you can throw stones at me all you want, um, as long as you're innocent of that same scenario. But uh, I doubt you are. But um, there's just times where it's like, you know, I'm just tired and all that good stuff. Um, but I will say this. There have been times, like, we've gone out to California and visited family, and we've been able to go to, like, a, a church there and just get blessed um, by What's cool is like what we do here, people are doing not only in our country, but all over the world. And you can show up and you can be blessed. And, and it's, it's just like it's family. And that's how it should be. It should be just family. You can go anywhere and it should be family. Not all places are like that, but it should be family. But here's Paul hanging out with these guys. It says Paul was preaching to them. Uh, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Well, praise God. You're not at one of those. We, 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 we respect your time. Um, now, I probably teach for way too long, but I'm not teaching until midnight. So you're welcome, okay? So if you think I talk too long, just read the Bible, okay? It's right here. Paul's preaching until midnight. The upstairs room where, they were, where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. So a lot of candles. This is creating a bad scenario. Uh, as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named uh, Eutychus, if that's how you say that, sitting on the windowsill, because that's probably where the cool air was. He had the, the best seat in the house, okay? Because candles, a lot of body heat, and then the smoke from the candles, it just creates the perfect storm for what? For you to fall asleep during church, okay? It just does. That's why if you're like cold, hey, I'm sorry, but we're going to keep these ACs down because I need all the help I can get, right? I'm just going to we'll keep it nice and cool in here. So the flickering lamps, you know how that is. You sit by the fireplace, the warmth of the fireplace and the flickering, it just makes you want to zone out and fall asleep. Well, this guy does. He says he became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death. To his death below. Just so you know, if you didn't catch on, but back in, in the beginning portion, acting technically in verse 6, um, that's when Dr. Luke joins the team again because the, the pronouns, they change from, you know, Paul and so-and-so to where now it's we, we. And anytime you see that in the book of Acts, that's when Luke, who was used to record this, he inserts himself into the story because there's a portion of the, the missionary journeys where Luke wasn't present, but now he is because he's saying we, okay? Um, and so Dr. Luke says, this dude's dead. I'm going to trust Dr. Luke, Okay. Because you could be like, well, was he really dead? Luke, the doctor, is like, yeah, there's no pulse. This guy's gone. <laughs> yeah, this kid is gone. But look at what Paul says, what Paul does. He went down. He stopped teaching for a second, bent over him, took him into his arms, said, don't worry, he's alive. He just like cradled this young man in his arms, probably prayed over him. He's like, it's cool. He's all right. Set him back down and then walked back upstairs and started preaching again. 
left that kid there. <laughs> like, I just want you to see this, okay? You're, you're at this church service, right? This three-story home church service, and you're watching maybe from the window where the kid fell out, and you're like, what's going on? And you're like, there goes Paul down there, and he just picks this kid up. We don't know how old he is. Probably a young man, maybe in his 20s. Picks him up, probably says a little prayer over him, lays him back down. It's like, all right, let me, where was I at? Where'd I leave off, right? And everybody else is like, what's going on? Like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. He's cool. He's alive. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. Well, Dr. Luke said he's dead. And Paul's like, yeah, I know. But God brought him back to life. God just brought him back to life because he literally was dead. That's really what it says there. He was actually physically deceased. No more life. Paul goes down there and in one sense raises a kid for, back from the dead. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. I will caution you with this. Um, don't trust me and my faith that much, okay? So if you fall asleep and fall out of a window, I don't know if I can do the same for you. I just, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I'm gonna be like, what do we do? Um, 911, uh, Lord, please, please. Um, yeah, I, no, I would definitely pray. I mean, I, I will, absolutely. But Paul's got, he just has this faith where he goes down there, Picks this kid up and he's like, yeah, he's cool. He's all right. He's going to be fine. Goes back to preaching all night long, all night. Insane. It says, when they all went back upstairs, and now this is how my brain works, I envision everybody going back upstairs and this kid is still laying there on the ground. Like that's what I, because everybody went back upstairs except for him. So it's like, what's he doing? Is he like, I don't know, my brain, my imagination goes wild with some of these stories, but Everybody went back upstairs, and they shared in the Lord's Supper. That means that they did communion to, together, and they ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, in case you were wondering about this young man, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. What an interesting Sunday service, right? You're just like, went to church, this kid died, and then the pastor brought him back to life. And he just kept talking, like all night long. He just kept preaching. And then that kid went home and he was fine. It's crazy. Can't wait to see what happens next Sunday, right? Like, you got to check this church out. Like, people are dying and being raised, raised to the life. Um, just a fascinating, interesting, singular story in the mission of Paul, used by God. This didn't happen every Sunday. Right? So you shouldn't get into the mode of expecting something like this radical to happen. And if it doesn't happen, you're not disappointed, right? You're not disappointed. But it's just, it's just another display of the, the miraculous power of God. Not of Paul. Paul's just a man. But it's of God who can, who can restore this young man back to life. Now here's the little bit of behind the scenes kind of a thing. Eutychus means fortunate, all right? So if we were to spiritualize this in one sense, if you take a step back and you look at this big picture, well, so he had fallen much like Adam in the garden. He just fell. He fell, right? And that led to death. Eutychus fell, and that led to his death. And then it was grace alone that restored him to life. In fact, it was new life. So there's this cool little image that's, that's kind of tucked away within that story. You can just read through it, and it's like, it's a cool story in and of itself. But when you look at it, you're like, wait a minute. So here's this kid. He fell, and his fall 
you know, ended in, in death, and if that just triggers these, these thoughts within our brains of like Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam, he fell, and that fell led to death, but yet it was the grace of God that brought back restoration, new life. Same thing that happens with this kid. So in one sense, this kid's embarrassing story, he's going to be the guy in heaven. You're going to be like, Eutychus, oh, you fell asleep in church. And you're like, oh, he's like, nah, I know, but did you, yeah, okay, can we move past that, right? Like, but maybe that's also included within there as a subtle reminder of we've all fallen. That fall is, is, leads to death in that sense, spiritually for sure. But yet it's his, his abundant grace that restores, brings us to new life, brings us back to new life. We're all Eutychuses within our lives. We're all this kid. We're all this kid. The point of that is, so at what stage are you this kid? Are you sitting on the windowsill, getting a little drowsy, you know, falling asleep, so to speak, about to make that plunge headfirst out that window? Are you on the ground dead? You need to be raised to new life? Or have you been raised to new life? And I'm sure that kid goes home with a greater appreciation of, of the power of God. So where do you fit within that, that little story? Just an interesting, interesting little uh, kind of nugget that's, that's tucked away in there, right? So here's the last part of this chapter. This all, this is, you're like, this is a, a big, a big last part of the chapter, but it all is together. This is Paul's farewell to this church and to these people that he loves so, so much. Uh, Paul went by land to Asos. Um, he, he decides he's going to walk in, and just so you understand what that means is, uh, and it, it kind of says it in a little bit later, but he decides he's going on a 20-mile walk by himself. He sends his crew, they get on the ship, and they're going to sail there, but Paul's like, I need some alone time. I just need to go on a walk. You've ever been there? I just need to go on a walk. I just need to go on a long drive by myself, right? If you, yeah, you, you probably have. If, if life has ever been stressful, well, I'm sure this year it has been, sometimes you just need to get away, to get alone. And this is Paul's moment. More than likely, this is Paul's moment where he kind of spends that time talking with the Lord of like, okay, so what do you want me to do? I really want to go to Jerusalem. I really want to go to Jerusalem. And we have hints that he has this conversation with the Lord, maybe a little bit of back and forth with like, no, I, I want to get to Jerusalem. Now, if we go back to his conversion story, Jesus had told him, he's like, you're never going to be received in Jerusalem. They're never going to hear you. Paul, I'm calling you to the Gentiles. I know you love your brothers, the Jews, so much. I know you have, he even said in the book of Romans, he said, look, if I could trade my place in heaven, if I could trade my salvation so that they could go to heaven, then I would do that. I can't say, who can you say that about? Who would you be willing to say that about? Right? Like, that's insane. Like, no, I, this person that I love so much, I know, man, if they, they don't know the Lord and they're, they're destined for eternity, separation from God, hell, I'll, ta I'll take their spot. Like, if you stop and think about that for a second, that's, man, that's crazy. But that was Paul's heart for the Jews. So never mistake it. That was his heart for the Jews. He loved his brothers and sisters, the Jews. And he wanted so much for them to get it. He wanted so much for them to get it. And he desired to go to Jerusalem. But Jesus himself told Paul, they'll never hear you. They, they won't hear you. That's a hard pill to swallow. 
especially when you apply that to our circumstances nowadays, because you may have family members. You're like, man, I, Lord, I just, I, I just need them to know. I, I need to share this with them. I need them to get this. And, and the Lord, may have, he may have already told you, they're not going to listen to you. They won't hear you. But it doesn't mean he leaves them without a witness. He already had other people called to them. Peter was one who was called to the Jews. And he got to experience one of the greatest outpourings for the Gentiles of the Holy Spirit. But we know that his ministry, by and large, was, was to the Jews. You, you had other, other apostles that were called and ministering to the Jews, but Paul had such a love for them that he's like, I, I'm just, man, I, I would trade places. Eternally, I would trade places with them, which is just mind-blowing. To have that much compassion for the people who are chasing you down every single ministry stop, mission stop along the way, and they're trying to kill you the whole way. And he's like, I love them so much. If, if, if we as believers could apply anything today, it should be that heart and that mindset towards, towards our friends, our family, towards our enemies. Do we love people that much? Regardless. Regardless of what side of the fence they stand on, and or, who cares? I think what, what would be a challenge for us and what, you know, what I need to learn to get better at is having that heart for people. That, and that's just what Paul saw in Jesus. Because we know Jesus came to this earth and, it, and it, even Paul addressed it to the church of Rome. He said, look, while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. He was, he was willing to step in our place. So when we see Paul's heart for the Jews, he's just modeling what Jesus displayed and how he lived out his life, which is how we ought to live out our lives as well, loving people, just loving them. Share the God, and you love them by, well, just tell them the truth, the truth with love. Be honest, be real. They already, I, well, I would assume that everybody, I mean, they, there's a weird misconception about Christians and church-going people and all this stuff that we, like, have it together, or at least we think we have it together, and I'm like, that's dumb, man, that's so, I don't, what, I've never had it together, and I'm far away from it, I'm sure, like, it seems like the older I get, the more I'm like, I'm not even close to having it together, like, that's a distant dream, right? We don't have it together, we're, 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 we're real people we have struggles, we mess up, we fall down, we do all the same stuff, but yet we know Jesus. Our eternity is set. It's secure. It's secure. So now it's time to take that, what the Lord has given to us, and redirect that towards people he places within our path, to love people, to care about people. More so now than ever before. What our, my goodness, what our nation needs is, is Christians who actually live and look like Jesus. They just, they just need it. Our nation needs that, okay? So he, he takes his 20-mile walk. Um, the other guys, he says, he arranged for them, uh, for us to join him while we traveled by ship. Verse 14, he joined us there and we sailed together uh, to Mytilene or Mytilene, however you say that. The next day we sailed past the island of Chios, uh, and the following day we crossed to the island of uh, Samos, um, and a day later we arrived at Miletus, okay? So there's just, he's like, we stopped here, we stopped there, we stopped there, got some souvenirs, you know, for the family and all that stuff, and we're just working our way south to Jerusalem. So Paul decided to sail past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia, 
he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem if possible in time for the festival of Pentecost. So he wanted to get back to Jerusalem in time for Pentecost. When we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church of Ephesus asking them to come and meet him. Uh, what's cool about that, it's the elders, it's plural of the church of Ephesus, which speaks of a plurality of pastors, which is how every church should be set up, right? Um, it should never be just like this one guy, right? We're like, well, it's, it kind of seems like we just have like just this one guy. Right now, well, no, we don't. We have elders. So, and elders and overseers, technically those are pastors. I mean, it's the same word and we just confuse things. We, we do a really good job of confusing what the Bible makes pretty clear, right? So we're like, well, what's it? Is it a, should we call it an elder or an overseer? What about a bishop? And all, it's like, it's the same. It's basically the same, right? We can go through those definitions, but there should be a plurality of shepherds, pastors, which every church should have, meaning this. Um, you might have one person who spends most of their time here uh, because that's what maybe the Lord has, has designated it as, but as far as the leadership of the church, you, you need a plurality of, of shepherds within the church, okay? So that's what Ephesus had, and Paul calls all the elders, um, these overseers and uh, leaders, all together to meet with him, Okay? It says, when uh, they arrived, verse 18, Paul declares to them, you know from, uh, from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. That's key. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear, Right? It's not about what you want to hear. There's, there's plenty of that going on. What you want, we, I would hope what you want when you show up to church is that you're going to hear what you need to hear. Because I can throw out a bunch of like, you know, soft things and all that good stuff to tickle your ears and all that stuff and make you feel good. That's not why I'm here. Now, if you walk away feeling good, hey, praise God for that, right? Praise God for that. My goal isn't to make you feel bad. My goal is just to tell you prayerfully what you need to hear. Here's, here's what's amazing about how this works sometimes. I don't know much about your lives. I don't know what your week has been like, right? I'm not like reading your mail. I'm not reading your journals. I'm not, I don't have time for that anyways, nor do I want to do that, okay? Because I'm not a creeper, right? So I'm like, like no, I don't have, I got enough problems on my own, okay? But what's amazing is that you can stand up here and teach and people will be like, how'd you know? I'm like, I don't know. How'd you know I was going through that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I dive into this thing and, and from start to middle to finish, I'm just constantly asking the Lord, will you speak to me? Can you just bring clarity to my heart and my mind so that when I got to stand up and talk in front of people, that I'm just sharing what, what you want to speak to their hearts, okay? And that's what Paul, he's going, every single stop, he's like, look, I just showed up to tell you guys what you needed to hear. And by and large, what they needed to hear was the gospel. He goes on to say, either, either publicly or in your homes, and that, that's where a lot of the, the, the churches back then, they were established within homes. And that made sense, okay? Because it would, it would have been difficult for these guys to secure like a large building to meet all together. That, that would have been very difficult for the people back then. So it made sense for them to go from home to home. That makes sense, okay? So it's not right and it's not wrong. It's not right to meet in a church building corporately, and it's not, it's not, you know, it's not wrong. It's not, it, it doesn't matter. 
if you're meeting together, sweet. If you want to meet in homes, sweet. Knock yourself out. But what are you doing? Whether in the big room or in the small home, what are you doing? That's what matters the most. Is it about Jesus? Is it his word? Is his word being taught? If his word's not being taught, then all you have is a little social group. And, and that's cool, that's fun, but that's not church. Let's define some terms here. What is the church? The church is his body that, gather, that gathers together centered around Jesus and his word and also communion and worship, the key tenets that, was, that were established back in Acts chapter 2. That's what makes a church a church. Us getting together and just like shooting the breeze for an hour, that's not church. Okay, let's, let's make some clear distinctions here. Church is worshiping Jesus, the body coming together to elevate Jesus and to worship Jesus and also to encourage each other, to build each other up because we need that. There's nothing wrong with hanging out. There's nothing wrong with social groups. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. But if that's all it is, don't call it church. Don't call it church. But if you're getting together and you're opening up the word and, and man, you're worshiping Jesus and it just looks different than how we're doing it right here, but you're worshiping Jesus, sweet, call it a church. Knock yourself out. Do more of that. Do more of that. But that's what they had to do. They were going from home to home, and, and it's, it, it was really cool. And when they had opportunities to meet in bigger places, they met in bigger places because they were growing, and they needed to do that. So it's not right. It's not wrong. It's this isn't wrong. It's, it, none of that stuff. They were gathering with one singular purpose, and that was to glorify and exalt Jesus. And that's what they did. Okay? He says, I, verse 21, I had uh, one message for the Jews and the Greeks alike. Singular message for both, okay? The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. Basically, that's the gospel. You're a sinner. You need to repent of that. You need to change your ways. You need to, you're going down this way and it's stop that and go down this new path. That's what repentance is. The other side of that is this. I think sometimes this doesn't get acknowledged. Um, repentance is also owning it owning the fact that you're a sinner own it like you're not fooling anybody we're like it's, it, i think sometimes it's like no you just got to stop going this way and just turn to jesus that's repentance yeah but another part of repentance is saying like look i'm i'm a sinner own it own it you are and i hate it this is the first time you're hearing this you're a sinner you're born a sinner you're in good company because if you look around we're all sinners. <laughs> We're all This guy, oh yeah, this guy, maybe the biggest one of all. We're all sinners. Repentance is owning it. Because I don't care if you choose to follow Jesus. If you never own the fact that you're a sinner, you're missing something. You're not truly appreciating the free gift of salvation that he has given to you. When you understand, it's like, man, no. Like, my sin, you, we are born that way. That, that's a division. That's a split between it's what keeps me from God, and yet Jesus stood in that gap to make that bridge. So like Paul said in, in, to the church of Rome, like, man, I, while, while I was his enemy, he died for me. Like, that's a big deal. So you, we own the fact that, Lord, I'm, look, I'm a sinner. That was when I, when I was a 19-year-old 19, 19 kid. That's what I prayed. I said, look, I'm a sinner. I, I'm a sinner. Lord, I don't, know, I don't know why you want me, 
But I do know this, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. I need you to save me. And that's kind of the beauty of, repent, of repenting from sin. It's just, it's just owning it and giving it to the Lord and then moving on and just moving on. Will you still sin? Of course you will, of course. But he's right there to pick you up and he's right there to be like, look, if you just, just Lord, man, Lord, I messed up today. I know you did, I know. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, you're forgiven. Let's go, let's keep running. Let's keep moving, let's keep going. That's the beauty of, of walking with Jesus. There's a lot of falling down on our part, but there's a lot of picking up on his part. He's just there to pick us up and say, okay, look, yeah, but let's keep going. Let's keep going. We'll work on this. You'll grow. You'll grow out of some of those things. You'll you just keep following the Lord Jesus. You can mature out of some of those things, and you'll discover, like, well, there's a whole lot more in me that, that I need to repent of. Like, I just thought, I thought I did it, like, when I got saved. And it's like, Lord's like, oh, no, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. And it's going to be a journey throughout the rest of your life. And that's true for all of us, okay? But Paul, this is what Paul did. He, he shared the gospel with these people. He told them what they needed to hear. What they needed to hear is you're a sinner, you need to repent of that, and you need to give your life to Jesus so he can make you brand new. He goes on to say, verse 22, now I am bound by the Spirit. So just so you know, mine does not do a good job of translating this because it capitalizes the word spirit there. That's not, that's not accurate, Okay. You're like, oh, throw it away. No, it's not a big deal, right? Because if you just do some research, you'll know, like, he's bound by the Spirit. Technically, he says bound by, I'm compelled by, like, my Spirit, okay? Uh, if you read some of the other manuscripts, it's, it's, I'm bound by an inner compulsion. I have this inner desire to go to Jerusalem, okay? So, just so we understand that right, to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except, verse 23, Remember that 20-mile walk? Except that the Holy Spirit, now this is accurate, the Holy Spirit keeps telling me in the city, in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. So he's like, I really want to go to Jerusalem. But every time I'm going there, the Holy Spirit keeps showing up and says like, hey, um, if you keep going this way, here's what you can expect. You're going to keep getting locked up. You're going to be imprisoned. And it may not end the way that you think it should. But he still went to Jerusalem. See, this is that thing of like, well, what, what would have changed? What, how would it have been different? We don't know. We don't know. Was it God's will for Paul to go to Jerusalem? It doesn't seem like it. And there's even more stories to come as we go through the book of Acts where you have prophets that are showing up in his life saying like, hey, this is a bad idea. Let me show you what's going to happen to you if you keep going this route to go to Jerusalem. But yet, this is part of that thing where God allows Paul to continue down that path. And he's still going to use Paul. He still will use him. But what if he could have been used to a greater extent if he didn't go to Jerusalem? This is just one of those things where you're like, well, how does this help me? Um, here's what I would say. If you're praying for God's will within your life, and the Holy Spirit keeps telling you, okay, don't go there. Don't do that. And then other people show up in your life saying like, hey, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I would probably listen to that voice instead of that inner desire of like, no, but I really, I have good intentions. Cool, great intentions. That's amazing. And you'll get there, but you might end up disappointed. Like I've, I've, I've been so determined to get to here and then you show up there and it's like, 
Well, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. So what's, what's really amazing about, and we've talked about this before, but we, we sometimes communicate the will of God as like a, a, a pinpoint on a target, right, in our lives. And we're like shooting for that bullseye. When in reality, the will of God is like this huge circle. And in one sense, it's just like, well, just get anywhere in the circle. <laughs> like, I mean, do you just, just get in the circle. Go through life. If you're questioning like, well, am I doing the right thing? Just submit that to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know if you want me to follow this direction or go there or live there or work there or whatever. But I'm going to just trust you with that and, and, and just please guide and direct me. And you may not have anybody show up in your life telling you, don't go there, don't, or do go here. Just follow the Lord, keep following the Lord. And it, my dear friend of mine, we went to Bible college together. He, he used to tell me, he's like, look, he's like, I'm not too worried about going to the place where God wants me to go. He's like, now, in, 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 he's not like, it's not like he's just, I'm just going to do my own thing. He says, he's like, I always lay it out. And I pray about where, okay, Lord, where would you want me to go? And he, he says, you know, what I'm confident in is wherever I end up, God can use me there. And, and if he really wants me, like I'm over here and he wants me to be over here, well, he knows how to get me from there to there. He's like, I trust that. I know that. He's like, but it, throughout my life, I know that there's been times where maybe he wanted me to go here and I ended up over here, but he still used me over here. Maybe not to the extent of here, but, and so it, because I, I wrestled with this in, in college as I was like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And he was able to speak that into my life in the sense of like, look, just, just follow the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't worry about it too much. Just follow the Lord. Wherever you go, how about you just, just serve the Lord? And he'll make it clear to you whether, or not, whether you should be there or not, right? So there's this, this interesting relationship where we have with God where there is this permissible will where he he will allow you to, to go where you want to go, and he can still use you there, but he may have a whole other plan where he's like, yeah, but I really want you to go here. Whether or not you ever end up there, I don't know. Paul does end up, I think, where God had intended him to go, which was Rome, but he just went a long way around to get there, okay? Went down to Jerusalem, gets arrested, and then gets escorted as a prisoner to Rome, where maybe the whole time God was like, I just want you to go to Rome, I don't want you to go to Jerusalem. But you really want to go to Jerusalem? I'll let you go to Jerusalem. I'll get you to Rome, though. But I'll let you go to Jerusalem. I, I think the, if, if I could summarize that in one thing, it's just this. Just trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord, okay? Don't be so afraid to move that you just spend your life standing still. Trust the Lord. Movement is life. Movement is life. That's what I tell my kids all the time because you're usually standing in my way. I'm like, hey, movement is life, all right? Like, move out of my way. Like, movement is life, okay? Like, same with the Christian walk. Movement is life. Just keep moving. Keep running the race. Keep running, keep running, keep running. He knows how to redirect. We get off track all the time. And Lord knows how to step into our lives and say, no, 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 this way. I'm gonna allow this circumstance to come into your life to get you back on track, Okay? He, he knows far better than we do, okay? So we're just going to trust him. Just like Paul, Paul's like, I don't know, the Holy Spirit keeps telling me that trouble awaits me, but I'm, I'm bound and determined to go to Jerusalem. And they're like, okay. Verse 25, this is last, this last little section here. Um, it says, now I know that none of you to whom I have preached uh, 
preach the kingdom will ever see me again. Well, that's kind of a bummer. Um, I declare today that I've been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. He's like, I've shared the gospel. I've done what I was supposed to, was, was supposed to do here within this region. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. He's speaking to the leaders. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church. You can underline that. It's his church. Who does Calvary Galveston belong to? It belongs to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus, right? It's not my church. And it's not the leadership of this church's church. It's not ours. This is Jesus's church. It belongs to him. But we, as leadership, we have a, a, we have a responsibility to what? To, to shepherd the flock, to, to teach the word. And that's what we're going to do. But also, you have to be on guard. And it goes on to say, this is his church purchased with his own blood. Uh, this Calvary Galveston was never purchased with my blood. And even if it was, it's not good, okay? It's not good. I mean, I'm like O positive or O negative. I don't know which one it is, but I'm one of those ones where bank, blood banks keep emailing me saying, we want your blood, okay? But it's not, even regardless of that, it's not enough for you. You need the blood of Christ. And it's his blood that has redeemed everybody. And it's his blood that has purchased you and has purchased his church. That's why it's his, Okay. So he goes on, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men within or from your own group or from within your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Have you ever seen that happen in a church? Oh yeah, it happens, huh? Some bad guys from the inside know how to step up and then they want to split the church and they want to do their own thing. And so they take a whole group of people with them so that they can do their own thing. That's, it's fascinating. But still, we still have issues with all this stuff too. Now, just because somebody raises up in a church and maybe goes off to plant their own church doesn't make them a bad guy, okay? Just so there's clarity there, okay? So I don't think everybody who's come out and, and if half the church leaves to go follow that guy, well, maybe that guy's actually preaching the word because this guy stopped doing it. I don't know. Doesn't make him a wolf in one sense, but, but what Paul's addressing here is you have people that, that are going against the leadership of the church, which is doing their best to feed the flock, and these guys have their own intentions. They just, they want to be, they want to be the celebrity. They want to be the man, right? So you got to be on guard from that. Anybody who ever stands up and it's like, it seems like it's all about them, not so much about Jesus, but kind of more them than more Jesus, I would be cautious. I'd be cautious. Um, just be very cautious of that. I'm not saying they're a wolf or anything like that, but I would hope that anybody who stands behind this pulpit, that they, they do their best to promote Jesus over themselves. It says, they'll come up from your own group, distorting the truth. Verse 31, watch out or be on guard. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and many tears, my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up, praise God for that, and to give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Paul is doing what every good pastor should do uh, and every good missionary should do as well is look, look, I may have to leave, but I'm trusting you with the Lord. I'm trusting you with the Lord. And it's the same for what we do on Sundays. It's like, look, I'm, I'm not your savior. I'm not your savior. Jesus is your savior. So the best thing you could do is just to keep running to him. 
And as you go from this, this building and you see what this new week holds for you and all that stuff, you just keep running to Jesus. You just keep running to Jesus. Now, I'll be here for you as much as I can be, but I'm just a guy. I'm pretty limited. Time and knowledge and wisdom, you want Jesus. You want Jesus. It says, I, verse 33, I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that, that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. I have been a constant example uh, of how you can help those in need by working hard, right? The best way to help somebody is just you yourself. Be a hard worker as well. You should remember the words of, of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We understand that. I hope we understand that. We're going into the Christmas season. That's kind of like your key verse for the whole Christmas season. It's, it's in your, trust me, your, your kids, if you got them, they, they agree with this. They echo the sentiment. They're like, look, it is better for you to give to me, okay, because I love receiving, right? That's usually how that's applied. That's how I applied it as a kid. But um, we know it, it's so much, it's just so gratifying when you, can, when you can show up and you can help somebody out. It's just, it's good for your soul. It really is just good for your soul. There's a reason why you feel better when you help somebody out. It's like medicinal. It's like really good for you. In fact, Jesus said, he's like, hey, give, give, help somebody out. If they need the help, my goodness, help them out, help them out, be there for them. More blessed to give than to receive. When he finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them, the leaders. Just, so just picture this image. There on, the, on the, the coastline there, there's the Apostle Paul kneeling down and praying with these leaders that he helped to establish. He planted this church. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship, and that's the end. They will never see him again. Paul will go off. He will go to Jerusalem. We'll see that a few months from now. He will go down to Jerusalem, but he will be bound and he will be taken back to Rome as a prisoner. And as far as all these dear brothers and sisters who were with him every step, you know, and for three years, man, he, he, he was with these guys. He established that church. He poured into them. He discipled them and mentored them and did all that stuff, prayed with them, dedicated their babies, baptized in all that stuff. They knew it in this farewell. They were never going to see this guy again. This was it. This was Adios. You know, and the, the beautiful thing about Christianity is this isn't goodbye as in we'll never see you again. In, in reality, it's, it's probably more proper to say see you later. We'll see you on the other side. We'll see you on the other side. Keep running. And that's what Paul, he established for these guys and for, for you and for myself and, and with loved ones that we have um, man, especially within, within the Christian community, maybe that you're established within, um, we keep running this race. We keep encouraging one another. As we see the day of the Lord drawing closer, we keep encouraging each other. You keep running. You keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And if something happens, if something happens, it's I'll see you later. I'll see you later. And we've had friends. We've had family members. We've had loved ones who have said that, right? I mean, dear people within our lives. And, and what's, what's really beautiful within the church, for sure, is there, there's that comfort that comes along with it. Are we sad for them to leave? Of course. Do we shed tears? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Grieving a loss is a natural and healthy thing to do. But we don't grieve as though we don't have any hope. Right? So we can have guys like, I remember when, I remember the day when Chuck Smith died. Chuck Smith's my hero in the faith, right? He was that guy, Grandpa Chuck. In case you don't know anything about Calvary Chapel, it's like he, he, just, he just opened his doors to hippies back in the 60s. He says, I don't care what you look like. I don't care who you are. Come to church. I'll teach you the Bible. And that's what he did, faithfully, faithfully. And then this punk shows up in Bible college in 98, I think is when it was. That was a long time ago. Um, and I saw this old guy, you know, stand in this pulpit, not this one, but stand in the pulpit, preach faithfully, walk off of this pulpit, pick up his tool belt, put it on, and go work on a project at our, at our school campus. And he picked up trash everywhere he went. He wasn't above anything. He wasn't above anybody. And I remember that day when, when the message went out, Pastor Chuck's gone to be with the Lord. And there's that part of you where you're just crushed, but then you're also like, but I remember what Chuck taught us. He said, don't worry. I'm just, I just got a head start. I just got a head start. I'll see you. I'll see you when you get here. Same thing when Billy Graham died. And, and, and the names go on and on where you're like, oh, there's this crushing, but then there's also the reality, the reminder of like, this isn't goodbye. This is a see, I'll see you later. That's comforting, especially in a scary world in which we live where, I mean, death is just prevalent within our, within our nation, it seems like, and, and globally as well. But we don't have to fear it. We don't have to be afraid. So be smart. You know, I don't want to do anything that's going to end that time, <laughs> you know, in one sense. Like, you don't want to, I want to be smart, and I want to just be available and be used by God for as long as he has me here, but also to know that, man, in the end, in the end, it's just, I'll see you later. I'll see you later. That's what Paul does here. And that's why these guys, I mean, they're, they're embracing each other. They're kissing. They're saying their goodbyes. And yes, this is common and normal for them. It, I'm glad it's not an American thing. Um, you know my deal with personal affection. Um, I'm kind of like, ah brotherly kisses ah the european thing kiss on the cheeks i'm like nah, i can't do it um but i have i have they do the same thing in peru and you know my story in that they i was just like oh man okay die to yourself james die to yourself like kiss on the cheek it's not a big deal right i'm just like i'm a handshake and high five guy that's who i am like um but here it's just beautiful it's it's intimate it's so personal and they're saying they're they're saying their farewell their farewells so we will pick up in Acts, um, like I said, we're going to go through 2 Thessalonians in January, but before we get there, Sunday mornings, we're just going to push pause, and we're going to look at things like redemption and salvation. What, you know, what do these things mean, and why should we hold on to those things like this? And that's what we're going to cover. We're going to cover these type things. Um, redemption is not this issue. It's not an open-handed issue. Redemption is one of these closed-fisted issues of like, there's only one way. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. So that's the goal. So if, you, if you're available, you want to hang out on Sundays and Wednesdays, this Wednesday, just to remind you, Temple, we Temple Bell, just a night of worship. Just a night of worship. So um, with that, I'm just going to pray, and we're going to get out of here. If you need anything... 
let me say this. You can bow your head. You can get into that mode, whatever that is. If you pray with your eyes, if you pray with your eyes open, it's totally fine. I tell my kids this all the time. There's no rules. There's no rules, okay? You can, it's weird for me, but, you know, you can pray with your eyes closed or open. You get into that mode however you want. But I do want to say this. If you need anything at all, please let us know. Please let us know. Our, our, our thing is, if we can help you, we will help you. That's, we, if, if you need anything, by all means, just please let us know. If we can pray for you, there are, there are people within this room that are available to pray with you. If you've got something going on, by all means, and, um, you know, if it makes you feel comfortable, we, they, will, they will wear a mask. They will do whatever makes you feel comfortable, okay? Because we're not opposed to anything here in that sense, right? But if, I don't want anything to stand in the way. If you need prayer for something, please don't rush out of here too soon okay? We will pray for you, um, and listen, we just, we just want to be here. If you guys need us, we're, Calvary Galveston's here. We're not going anywhere. We're here to help you, and we're here to, however we can help and serve you, that's what we want to do, all right? If, on that note, you feel like, man, I feel like I should be doing something. I should be serving here. Yes, you should. That's from the Lord, and you should answer that prayer. You should answer that urge within you. That's the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you got a gift. It's time to start using it. It's time to start using it. Okay, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. I thank you for, oh man, Lord, we thank you for cooler weather. Where has this been? Um, we thank you so much for a change in temperature, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for the blessing of rain the past couple of days. Um, Lord, we thank you above any and all of that stuff. We thank you for the fact that you died on the cross for our sins and that you rose from the grave, Lord. And Lord, that you, you made a way for us when there was no way. There was no way. Our good deeds were never going to be good enough. Our religious acts and all that stuff, Lord, it was never going to cut it. And so we thank you for stepping in and doing for us what we could have never have done for ourselves. I thank you that salvation is a free gift. And Lord, all, all it really entails, like we just read, is it's just owning up to the fact that we're sinners and we're in desperate need of a Savior, and you are that Savior. So it's just as simple as saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I want you to be my savior. I'm just surrendering to you, Lord. So I, I love the beauty and the simplicity of that. And Lord, that that applies to anybody and everyone, Lord. There's no one who's too far gone. So we're, we're just grateful that your grace is more than enough for each and every one of us, Lord. And your mercies are new every day, Lord. We thank you for that. So I thank you for everybody who's here today. Um, Lord, whatever's going on within their lives, Lord, you know that. And I pray that, um, I pray, Jesus, that you would... Um, would comfort them or you would speak to their hearts if they're if anybody's needing clarity on decisions that need to be made i pray jesus that you would speak to their hearts in such a clear way where there's no doubt there's just no confusion at all and we know you're not a god of confusion i pray blessings on everybody's week i pray for health lord and with the virus that's still it's still running around and all that lord i, I just pray for health and just protection over um everybody and for their families that are represented here as well for anybody who has the virus, Lord, as, as people we know back home in Amarillo have the virus, just pray for healing, a, a quick healing for them. I pray for our uh, doctors and nurses and, and our scientists who are steadily working on solutions. We pray for wisdom on their part. Pray for strength on those who are just on the front lines. Pray for their protection as well, Lord. So we just thank you. Even in the midst of chaos and all that, Lord, we can have, we can have peace, Lord that you're still in control. And so we thank you, Lord. So we just, uh, Lord we, Jesus, we love you so much and, and we pray that you would, you would just go before us, Lord, the rest of this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.